This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens. Two of London's more interesting people are going to talk and listen this morning, although if the past experience is the same, they'll probably do more talking than listening to each other. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us. Nice to have you here, guys. Nice to be here. I want to throw uh, something on a little philosophical on the table here and ask you for your, your perceptions of, of uh, where it may or may not take us. There's a story today about enrollments in medical schools that, that um, young people who are selecting their disciplines within medical school um, are indicating, at least those who want to be family physicians are indicating, uh, only 24% of the applicants are say they want to be family physicians. This is significantly fewer than we're going to need. It's fewer than we need right now, today, and, and significantly fewer than we're going to need in the future. Um, but of course, if you apply to medical school, you have the option of selecting a specialty and whatnot, and uh, it just seems that family practice is not very attractive to a large percentage of students. Now, there was a time when the numbers were much higher, and in fact, when they, when they came down through the 30% um, level a couple of years ago, there was a great hue and cry in the medical community that this is an absolute disaster. Uh, it's continued to plummet down to 24%. So, you know, we, we, I think we value one of the things we value about our society is freedom of choice that uh, within certain constraints we're free to make the decisions we want about our of our lives and our futures but here's a situation where there's a there's an uh, a patent need in society a need that is not being filled voluntarily um, we are subsidizing the people who get a medical education in this country even though it's expensive for them but we still subsidize it to a great extent we ask nothing of them uh, when they leave when they when they graduate they can graduate today and and move to Botswana tomorrow if they want we don't put any constraints on them there we don't ask them to pay back any of the government investment in them but I want to ask you guys whether there's whether we can in your mind whether we can afford to continue to do that and I use the the family practice thing as an example one of the suggestions that's been made is that uh, we're talking about expanding the number of seats available in medical schools across the country they, we've already done that to a certain extent but uh, there seems to be unanimity that we have to open more seats it's just a question of the government funding them and uh, one person suggested well if you want more family practitioners open up seats specifically for family practice uh, it, it, there's only 24% of the people want to go into family practice well if you've got say 40% of the seats available in medical school are for family practitioners and only 60% for specialists then you're going to get 40% family practitioners because people are going to say either I do that or I don't get in they're going to they're going to take that option say sure I'll, I'll go into family practice the the downside of that for some people say well then you've got people doing something they don't want to do and how good is that Jeff I'd start with you and ask you uh, given that uh, that this is a, a very serious and ongoing problem for us do you think we're going to ultimately have to move to something like that to solve it well I guess we may have to although it, it strikes me as, as you're talking about the 24 percent uh, issue and uh, applicants wanting to uh, to go into family practice it reminded me of when I started law school and that uh, a lot of people think they want to do something totally different than what they end up doing at the end of the day and and uh, it occurs to me that right now uh, you know a big show on TV is ER and uh, you don't have a, an equivalent family practice based show maybe they need to bring in a black northern exposure or something where you've got the small uh, town family doctor and Marcus Welby yeah exactly make that look like a sexy life um, so at the end of the day, these guys are going to take the jobs that they can get, I guess. And uh, presumably if there are, are not positions available in specialties, then they'll be less inclined to go for them. Although, as you say, they can they can move, I guess. If they can't uh, be a heart surgeon here, they can be a heart surgeon uh, somewhere else. I, I remember when I was in, in school that at that time, 
there was an option of going through a professional school where you signed up with the army and that they would pay your tuition and pay your way through and all that stuff. But I think you had to sign on for, I think, five years that you would stay afterwards. And, and I've wondered why we don't do more of things like that. Uh, part of the problem is getting GPs. There's a big shortage of them, but also getting anybody to, to serve in smaller towns for mm -hmm. some reason. People all want to live, live in big cities. Why, I don't know. Uh, a lot of them come from small towns, but they can't get them back there again. I've heard that this is one of the rationales for this new uh, medical school they've opened in the north, and that is that they're hoping that a school in the north, um, that the kids from the north who go to that school won't be enticed by the big city. What was the line about uh, you can't get them back on the farm once they've seen Paris? Mm, that's right. How you got to keep them <laughs> down on the farm after they've seen Paris? Yeah. Bob, what about you from a, from a philosophical point of view? Is, is this a viable option to try to... to if, well, if philosophically, the, if the, we've already been placed in a box we shouldn't be in. The whole the whole approach, your question even, is phrased from the from an approach of rationing. Yeah, but that's where we are. But that is where we are. Well, if you want a philosophical answer, the answer is not to ration, but to produce more. So I don't care that it's 24%. 24% of what? If it's 24% of 10,000, then let's make it 24% of 100,000. Mm -hmm. Okay, problem solved. You produce more. That's the mm -hmm. capitalist answer to mm -hmm. things. The socialist answer is you ration, and you decide to give so many seats to these people and so many seats to these people, and then you talk freedom of choice out the side of your mouth. Uh, that doesn't exist anywhere in our health care system. In 1993, the provincial premiers of this country met out west in Banff, and they made a conscious decision to limit the number of doctors in Canada. Mm -hmm. This is a fact. If you want to read it, I got an article about this online. That's why I'm so familiar with it. Mm -hmm. And basically their argument was that we had too many doctors. Yep. Can you imagine such a thing? Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as too many doctors. That's what you want. But only in a system where people pay their own way. That's the only way that can work. Mm -hmm. That's the only way you get too many doctors. In a ration system, you get fewer and fewer doctors, and doctors have their self-interest, and they want to go where they're, they're you know, their return is the best on what they do. And the reason that health care costs are continually, quote, out of control is because when the price is zero, not the cost, the price, mm -hmm. when the price is zero, demand is infinite. You can see that on any supply and demand curve on the mm -hmm. most simplest economics textbook, that when the price is zero, demand becomes infinite and therefore costs become infinite. And so the future of healthcare in this province, as long as the government continues to monopolize it, to tell us that we cannot spend our money on our own health care, that we cannot pay our way. You know, everything that's, that we call health care hasn't got a single thing to do with health care. It's all insurance. Mm -hmm. It's asset protection. What we want, what we want is we want our health care without risking our own life and our own property and our own money. That's what the mm -hmm. whole political ball game's about. It's got nothing to do with what goes on in the doctor's office. I don't know anything about what goes on in there. I'm not a medical expert. And I should be the last person in the world, or any politician, that's for sure, mm -hmm. to be telling them how to run their business. And that's where we have the problem. It's as simple as that. And if you want a philosophical answer, you have to have people be responsible for themselves, and you only direct help to the people who demonstrably need it. You get rid of this universality nonsense, which is a cover for just everybody getting on, you know, getting into the safety net and getting their own cut of it, and they, and they always tell you, "Oh, I'm doing it for the other guy." You know, that's nonsense. Jeffrey, what about the uh, what about the uh, the problems that people will will raise in response to what Bob said? Well, you look at south of the border where they do have sort of a free market and there's 40 million Americans without health care. How can we allow it? We couldn't allow that to happen health in Health care insurance. Health care insurance, I'm sorry. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah well, Asset that, protection. that is a big problem. And, and I remember uh, as Bob talks about how when the government reduced the 
uh, enrollment in medical schools, and and uh, it does seem self-evident that y- you can't have too many doctors. Doctors are a good thing to have around, not like lawyers, uh, on the other hand. But uh, well, they never put restrictions on lawyers. Yeah, they what's the deal there? What's that all about, anyway? Yeah, uh, what's the line about how they talk about how there are some towns that are too small to have one lawyer, but they're not too small to have two lawyers. <laughs> but. Uh, it's funny because I think about uh, why would they have done that at the time, and, and I'm sort of off the top of my head not knowing, but uh, wondering about things. Like I know, for instance, it costs a lot more to educate a doctor than a lawyer. A mm-hmm. lawyer, essentially, you just provide a classroom and that's it. But for doctors, you've got to provide lots of uh, cadavers and equipment and all that kind of stuff. So it's much... I guess it's a cost-saving thing to reduce enrollment in medical schools in the sense that it's very expensive to to create a doctor. Uh, on the other hand, I don't know whether whether they would have had a rationale at the time thinking, well, you know, if there are fewer, if there are a lot of doctors, they're going to demand pay raises uh, because uh, you know there's lots of them out there. Uh, that was a, I can tell you that that was part of it, and part of it was the idea that we, that changing medical technologies and so on would make doctors less important in the mix. Nurse practitioners were supposed to have picked up a whole lot more slack than they have, and there were supposed to be uh, you know new developments on the medical front that would make doctors uh we, we would we'd have enough doctors i don't i don't believe from what i know about the 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 process that led to that that they anybody was saying let's just reduce the number of doctors and to hell with what happens they, yeah, right. they thought it was going to work well it, they didn't think it very carefully, and it didn't work. Well, part of what's frustrating for me, it's like these ads that are on TV right now. Uh, Tony Clement has on all the wonderful ads about how we've increased uh, the number of doctors, we've increased, uh, uh, you know, services for uh, for heart patients and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, well, compared to what, you know, you cut it quite a bit, so you've brought it back somewhat. If you look at these ads on TV right now, you would assume that everything's just wonderful in the healthcare system. Everything looks happy and smiley. And I don't know. What's really instance, amazing is that they're encouraging us to use it more when there isn't it. You can't get in. <laughs> That's well, this is the amazing thing. Yeah. We're, you're seeing the government spend billions on these ads to tell you, you know, prevent this, prevent this. It doesn't matter what you prevent. You can prevent a lot of disease, but eventually you're going to die and get sick. And mm-hmm. as you said before on shows previous, it's that last six months of your life where most of your medical expenses yeah. are going to be. Yeah. And so that's not going to be averted. It's just going to be postponed like an RSP, you know. So, But I wonder I wonder what the enrollment numbers are now, whether they're back to what they were before or whether, you know. I don't, I don't think that they are, although I stand to be corrected, but I don't think they are. The problem that they're still having is that although the governments have recognized the problem now, they're still not providing adequate funding. That the schools simply do not, they do not have the seats, they don't have the classrooms, they don't have the teachers to do a, a massive expansion of, uh, of the medical schools. Yeah. Well, one thing for sure is that we've somehow got to get more family doctors. I know that uh, I've had a couple of friends uh, move to town and they just cannot find family doctors. Mm-hmm. You just can't get them anywhere at all. No, and, it's, and that's going to get a lot worse before it gets any better because a lot of the doctors that are out there now are... Uh, if not close to retirement, they can see retirement from where they are. And a lot of the young docs coming in simply will not work 70 and 80 and 90 hour weeks like their predecessors did. They just will not do that. They oh, want, I wouldn't either. They, they want to have a life. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah, want to have a life. Nor should they have to. Well, nor exactly. should they have exactly. to. They shouldn't be turned into these slaves we've turned them into. Well, I, I agree, absolutely. And and the other problem we've got, and let's be honest about it, is uh, about half of the people graduating from medical school are, are women. And a significant number of those women will not work full time for a full career in the medical field. They'll stop to have families and so on and so on, and I don't I don't say they shouldn't, but that's a reality. That's you, another reason you want to increase the number of people, so you have all these different choices out mm-hmm. there. Some people might only work 20-hour weeks. Some Somebody might like that 80-hour week yeah. for a period of time. Yeah. But uh, you brought up earlier the issue of that we subsidize their education. I don't think that's a relevant argument to mm-hmm. this debate, because we subsidize 100% of everybody's education. Mm-hmm. So how can you pick doctors out and say, well, because we subsidize your education, we should maybe, what, consider some sort of limits on you? Well, you could say that about anybody. Should we say that about everybody? Um, 
well, I don't think we should be subsidizing education in the direct way that we do. Mm -hmm. There are other ways to make sure that people have access to education without how <laughs> creating you, this. How do you do that? You make everyone individual responsible. Mm -hmm. You let each individual direct his education taxes to the school of their choice. Mm -hmm. Forget the bureaucracy in between. Mm -hmm. Make sure that that individual's taxes, education-wise, are only what he and his children or whatever accumulate in their lifetime. We would find that our education taxes would drop probably by about 60% mm -hmm. of what we're paying now because now you pay for life mm -hmm. whether you have kids or not. Your property taxes are going up forever so seniors are going to be losing their homes. It's For what? You know, people should be made to be responsible. We always talk about responsibility, but boy, when it comes to politics, that's the thing we flee from the most. Well, we're going to flee from the program, <laughs> but just for a moment, we're coming right back with more Left, Right, and Center. Uh, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer. We've been talking about... Uh, Education trying to solve some of the supply and demand problems. Bob says the answer to more doctors is just turn out more doctors. Where, uh, and, and I'm not trying to oversimplify, but I think that is the essence of your argument is to let let them let the market work. Yes. Um, if you have a if you have a large demand, increase the supply. Yeah. You don't ration. That's not the way a marketplace works. That's the way some dictator works. <laughs> so where do we, short of of restructuring the entire society, though, where do we get the money to do that in the short term? It's not even an issue. The money's there now. People are begging to use these services but are prevented. You know, we share with, with a wonderful, one of those evil empires, North, North Korea, the distinction of being one of the few, few jurisdictions that doesn't allow people to pay for certain private medical things, you mm -hmm. know. And it's really ironic when you look at the whole way we even view public health care. Uh, to me, the idea of any sort of health care insurance is to protect you from catastrophic loss from right. the biggies, right? right. From yes. something like what you went through. Right, so you don't... You don't Not routine, mm -hmm. everyday stuff, you know, and, and pra general practitioner stuff. I, w I often wonder if one of the problems with being a GP is that, from, from the patient's point of view, is when you go in, what, what you're really getting from a GP isn't a cure, but an opinion. Mm -hmm. Then you then you seek the cure. Either it's a medicine, or it's uh, or it's a specialist, or something like that. And so often we pay for the opinion. Government pays for the opinion, but not for the cure. Yeah. You're on your own when yeah. it comes to drugs and some of the procedures that you might have to go through. And if they're serious enough, I, I would think we should be reversing that whole situation. You can pay the twenty five dollars to even to fifty dollars for that opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's a one time thing that's done. Right, and that's what—that's what maybe that's why it's not as attractive a field to some of the people going through medical school because surgery and those—you know—surgery to me is the mechanics mm -hmm. of, of 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 medicine. That's where the rubber hits the road, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. That's where they can either fix you or not. And I would love to see as many surgeons out there as there are mechanics. Mm -hmm. No, actually, there aren't enough mechanics either. <laughs> <laughs> Although there Correct are, that. There I'd are, like to see more of both. Yeah, yeah. There are those people, though, who I've heard argue that uh, by the time it gets to surgery and all that stuff, it, it's, it's late in the day and that you'd save a lot more money by by getting people to live healthier lives. And I, and I think about GP, GPs in the mix and think about, well, what do they do? I just but say, that's a hindsight you, argument, mm -hmm. isn't it, really? Well, it's, no, it's, I, I would have thought it was foresight argument in the sense that uh, with a GP, if a GP's role is is to identify problems and get you referred off to a specialist, part of it is um, to catch things early before they get expensive oh, and all that kind of but stuff. But the issue so, is, who should be paying for that, you or the government? Well, I, I think what some people would argue, though, is to, to whether, whoever should be paying for it, what they're saying is it's cheaper to spend the money early in the day than to spend it late in the day when things have gone so far that you're, you're in bad shape and so on. Um, and, and I guess... But cheaper to who? 
cheaper the guy that's paying. Well, well there are people, who, society are people though, that sit, are people who believe that the government should pay it because we're so irresponsible as a bunch that that we'll just let it ride. And well, I think there's a lot of evidence to show that that's true. Well, we, we heard well, yesterday it, about the, the the MPs, you know, needing um, yeah. fitness coaches and stuff. And it's like, I think I need one too. In fact, I think everybody could use one, you know, it one way or another. To, it seems to me, even with our incredibly generous health care system, that we still have a lot of people who don't use the health care system. I'm one of those notorious people. I haven't mm -hmm. probably seen a doctor in 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, I know all kinds of people that are like that. I know people who smoke, who, st you know, smoking's going up, not down. And uh, so despite all these prevent preventative things and all the, doc all the uh, propaganda we get and all the uh, money being poured into health care, it's, it's an endless spiral because our, the price of health care is zero and the demand will become infinite. Right, we're going to get caught in the whirlpool. Let's go to the phones where Tim's waiting. Hi, Tim. Morning, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Uh, one other area for us... Uh you know, potential candidates for general practitioners would be for, uh, shall we say, uh, mature professionals. Uh, I work in the healthcare industry, and I, I can probably name off five people off the top of my head that never thought they would want to be one, but now would like to be a GP. But because of where they are in their their personal life and yeah. professionally as well, they can't stop and go back to school for three to five years or whatever it would take, and and afford to put their lives on hold. In order to get in that, and say from age 35 or 6, you get out by the age of 40, you still got 20 years of practice in you. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, there's just, you know, there's sort of a, a barrier there just that is financial reality. And it's, uh, I, don't know, I know people that are frustrated by it because they'd, they'd love to do it. They'd love to give back to uh, patients and get involved. And even to the point that if you were uh, willing to go to a certain community, guarantee that you would go there. Mm hmm and stay in work for 10 years if they somehow helped you out with your expenses or your whatever while you were in school. That, uh, but there aren't, there aren't such programs out there that I'm aware of. Good point today, Tim. Thanks for your call. Okay. Appreciate it. Uh, Peter joins us. Hi, Pete. How you doing, Jim? Good, thanks. Listen, uh, I'm going out on a limb here just a little bit, but um, as far as my understanding is, uh, with regards to the resources that we keep pumping money into, uh, there doesn't seem to be a shortage of space for any international students. They're more than happy to take in, uh, they're going to take in as many Saudi Arabian princes and whatnot who are all doing their medical through our system. And yeah, we're reduced in terms of our general Canadian practitioners that want to be general practitioners, but there's not enough room for them because all the princes come over with all their money. So they, they get the space, they take up the majority of the resources, and then us Canadians are stuck without any, uh, without our doctors. Well, I think we have to be careful, Pete, because they don't take up the majority of the resources, although there are some international students in our medical programs. Most of them, my understanding, is pay a, pay a fairly large premium to Very go to school so, here, yeah. and, they, and they take the profits from that, and supposedly, and put it back into the system to create more more spaces for Canadians. That's it, my understanding yeah, of how it's supposed to work. The reality is that, well, I mean, they're taking, up our, they're taking up our space. If we need more doctors, we should make more room for them, and I mean... It goes back to one of those things, money talks, and, and we're left paying into the system that's creating these doctors because they have no, no plans whatsoever to stay in Canada, and, every, and, and the, uh, the school knows that. They know that they're there to learn medicine, mm -hmm. to go back to their own country. We should make sure that the numbers are right, that uh, we get uh, the doctors that we need. This, this comes back to the, to, to the rationing mentality. Um, you know, you, you only have 
so many doctors that we have right now. We need to have as many doctors out there as we can have. And international students who come here pay their own way. So they shouldn't be taking away from anybody. They should, that should be there's a whole separate so many, department. There's only so many doctors they can produce. If they have 50 people from Saudi Arabia, they've got to teach those 50 pe- people because they're paying, the, they're paying the heavy toll themselves, which means that we can't have 50 of our people in order to go through the school as well at the same well, time. Why like not, you can why only don't have we... a maximum amount of people graduating at one time. Why is that? Time. Why is that? That's exactly what I'm referring to. Why do we set a maximum? Who, who set that? Well, that's, that, I mean, there's only so much money we're putting into the system, but well, if we had, if we had those spots for, for our Canadians, we'd, we'd have more doctors. Pete, thanks for your call today. It's an interesting okay. point you've raised. Okay. Thank you, sir. And we're just about out of time. Uh, last word hmm. to each of our guests, Mr. Schlemmer. Well, actually, uh, the, the previous caller, uh, in talking about people who, who may already have a background in the health profession uh, and that maybe we should make it more doable for them to become doctors, makes me, it reminds me of um, the fast-tracking of, uh, of officers in World War II when they trained officers a lot faster than they normally did. And I wonder whether they should look at uh, having uh, some kind of a faster certification process for somebody who's already got some kind of qualification as nurse or mm-hmm. other, other um, uh, health care background. And maybe it's time to go back and have a look at what do doctors learn, what, what skills you have to get before we call you a doctor. And maybe there should be a specialization in, uh, in a family practice uh, that would be faster and easier. And uh, particularly if you're already somebody in the system, you could get at quicker. But certainly, um, they've got to be creative about these things. I'm glad to see that I think they're reducing the uh, barriers preventing uh, foreign uh, doctors from getting qualified in Canada, finally. But uh, right now, we can't get doctors, uh, can't get GPs, and we sure can't get them in the small towns. We've known about this forever. We've got to fix it. Robert? I think we have to open up the whole market, allow all of these options. The one Tim suggested, mature professionals, you know, going back into GP practice, um, allowing other students to come in and pay their own way. We should be getting more like that. The problems with our financial barriers are government imposed. The government's paying for a lot of this. If you're paying your own way, you can bet there's no when people have a demand for something. That area of business expands exponentially. And if we allowed that to happen, and that's all it takes is allowing it, not always having these laws in place that prevent it, mm-hmm. and that's the whole problem. Gentlemen, thank you both for joining us today. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Bob Metz Thanks, with Jeff. us today on this edition of Left, Right, and Center.